Battleline Podcast, you are checking out part two of our two-part Q&A episode. And before we get into everything um, right here, I wanted to talk, of course, about Ned, our friends at Ned. I actually just took Ned last night and had an amazing night's sleep. Uh, I use their CBD all the time. And, and the thing about their full spectrum hemp is you'll see different dosages on there. You could start with the smallest dose and you're going to feel the difference. It's not a um, overwhelming feeling. You're, of course, not going to get high or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're just going to feel at ease. I, I know that there are different CBDs now in the market that do get you high. If that's what you're looking for, Ned is not the brand for you. I am not looking to get high personally. And I also talk, I spoke with someone about CBD recently, not from Ned. But they told me some of the stuff that gets you high is from China. I, I don't want to screw with yeah. that. I, I want to, uh, yeah, this stuff is from Peonia, Colorado. So yeah, from, um, that's yeah, the farthest away from China, <laughs> way far away. Yeah, they're not out of China. They are they are right here in good old America in Peonia, Colorado. Zero isolates, zero synthetic ingredients. Um, and yeah, they do, they do great work, whether it's the CBD, which I take before sleep, but you could also do their sleep blend. Um, and they have gel capsules now too, if you don't yeah. like the taste of full spectrum hemp, but I do. And their body butter, of course. No, I'm a, I'm a big pro actually using the body butter over the weekend with the sore muscles I had running around the range. I do. Uh, the, the body butter is tremendous. I, um, for pulled muscles, sprains, um, sore muscles, you know, it, it, it really does take the inflammation out and take take a lot of the the uh, the soreness and the pain away. Um, I know a lot of my friends that have got on to Ned also take it. We're getting older, guys. Take it for their arthritis. And they say it, as soon as I put it on, uh, you can't feel the pain anymore in their hands and their joints. So uh, and then, uh, yeah, the CBD I take whenever I need it. I used to take it daily. I got me leveled out and I take it whenever I need it. And it works. Um, and yeah, if whenever I, need I it, take it before I go to sleep, I feel like my joints at ease, everything, everything like I, I start cracking my neck. <laughs> I'm like, I feel good. Everything relaxes you. And that's what it's supposed to do. It, it, it's supposed to relax you. level. I call it leveling you out. And it, it's, it's tremendous. And they've been a tremendous sponsor supporter of us. And they continue to put out positive messages on their website, on their ads, and that to me is one of the most important things as well. So not only do they have great products uh, for you athletes, guys, I'm telling you, you try their body butter. It works. Um, if you have arthritis, try the body butter. It works. And if you have problems sleeping, the sleep blend or just the CBD oil, it works. Ian's an attestment to that. So, um, yeah, guys, if you're not using Ned for your CBD, all your products, on CB, the CBD products, you're, you're using the wrong company. <laughs> Check yeah. them out. They're the best out there. And you know who I was going to say is a testament to that. It really helps with recovery and who speaks highly yeah, to them yeah. is the episode that you were out for. I had um, Chad Solomon on Ironman athlete, Iron Man. and he is someone I found out about through their um, newsletter. So sign up for their newsletter. Um, but I mean, for those who don't know what the Ironman is, because I pulled it up because I always get it wrong, but 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike ride and a marathon. And and then a full marathon. So if if Chad believes in Ned to get him through that, I think it's going to get you through whatever you need. To get. Uh, yep, I, yep. You, it it definitely helps you out, guys. It keeps you going and it it gets your mind right. But then the body better gets your body back and it helps you recover with the soreness. And yeah, Iron Man, that's a huge testament to to CBD oil and what it does for you physically, but also mentally. It's all. Could positive. you do the Ironman? I'll tell you right now. I could right now. No, I could train for it. I think I know I could do it if I trained for it. I've, I've, I've walked with rucks farther than that. That's, and that's not knocking Ironman. I hate swimming. That's the one thing though. I can swim. 
Um, I dislike it. Yes, I could do it. I could probably, if I trained for it, I couldn't go just off the street and do it. I'm too old, man. I couldn't do that. But the thing is, do I want to train for it though? No, I think it's a lot of it's mentally. I would have to mentally get myself into, but my, my phys, I know I could push my body to that points. So I've done it before in Ranger Battalion. You do, you do, you push your bodies to the points of, of, and I know all the other special operations do doing 30 mile ruck marches, uh, you know, doing, uh, humping up the side of a mountain, uh, you know, and then just the daily grind of just being awake all the time. And then the surface swims I used to do when I was a scout swimmer, I'm swimming in the Puget Sound, hauling a rucksack, you know, pulling it behind you. So, yeah, I, I think I could. Um, would I want to? Hell no. <laughs> so, so, um, uh, but I, it would take a lot of training. It would take a lot of training to get my head and my body back into it where that was all I would focus on. And I could finish it. Would I place? No, no, no. Those guys are awesome. Those guys are incredible that place, but I, I believe I could finish it. Yeah. It would take it would take a lot of training and a lot of Ned body. Yeah, a lot of Ned body butter. (laughs) Yes, we'll bring it full circle there. Go to uh, helloned.com/slash/battleline to try their CBD for yourself. That's our special offer for the audience. Helloned.com/slash/battleline or battleline at checkout, and you'll get fifteen percent off your first one-time order or twenty percent off your first subscription order plus free shipping. That's h e l l o n e d dot com slash battle line to get 15% off your first one-time order or 20% off your first subscription order plus free shipping. Thank you, Ned. Let's hit that music from Jimmy Allen and get right into everything. From Omaha, Nebraska to New York City, from planet Earth to extraterrestrial life in space, a podcast with no equal, engaged in unconventional warfare through your speakers and headphones. This is a show about embracing the suck, conquering your demons, and finding God in the face of adversity. Chris Tonto Peranto. Switch is on. Motherfucker, I'm going to shoot you in the face. Ian Scotto. You know, Ian and I have been dating for a long time. You are now tuned into the Battle Line Podcast. All right, guys, the switch is on. We're recording this all in one day, so we're trying to pace ourselves and get this all, but hopefully you've heard part one. You are now hearing part two of our Q&A. We're going to get right into it. Uh, this first one here is from Gene Baker. Uh, this, yeah, this says, uh, Tonto, can you discuss how service dogs help veterans cope with PTSD? Thanks, Gene. You know, I... I, I- I don't use, I don't utilize, so I, I, I don't have any personal experience with a service dog. Uh, but, uh, you know, I know working with Brandon Holiday, who was our first guy that we uh, we helped with 14th Hour Foundation, and him working with canines, but also utilizing a service dog, they're, you know, just on a, on a quantitative approach of it, they help when, like, he has having a heart attack and he couldn't get up the stairs, and his dog pulled him up the stairs. 
and then helped him. They're trained to alert EMS with certain ways to do it with a special, special mechanisms. But his pulled his ass up the stairs, got the phone and then Ian and then he was able to make the call to get him help. But just physically, they're able to do things like that. And Brandon's not a small guy. And the, the damn dog pulled his ass up a flight of stairs because <laughs> he was wow. in the basement. So just things like that, they help. But just the emotional having, you know, we're creatures, uh, really, it, it, we are creatures of, of, of being around each other. We need some form of, of, uh, of interaction with something. And a lot of times, you know, a dog is a great person to have great person. I said, person. It's a, it's a great, it's a great, it's a great, it does. It is. It's something to have to interact and to, to, to give that intimacy, that love that you may not be getting from, because you, you especially veterans, you don't want to be out in the crowd. I, I don't like being out in crowds. I, I don't, even though that's part of my job being a speaker and book signer, um, but it's still not comfortable and if I didn't have to go out there and do it, I probably would be home a lot more. But you still, especially if you don't have a family as well, you do need that that love and companionship that a, sometimes only a dog can give. It's different. I miss my dog, Sasha. You see a picture. I think you posted on the podcast. Yeah. That was my dog, Sasha. She was wonderful, beautiful dog, well-trained, so much love that dogs give. It's different. Um and uh, that helps just the emotional support. So yeah, right there. Emotional. I, I guess I said it in a long drawn out way, but the physical support by just helping you save your life, um, but also the emotional support that dogs give and they're specially trained to help with those sort of things. Um, so yeah. I, I, and again, I, I, I advise and I recommend that you study emotional support dogs um, and emotional and dogs as how they help heal veterans uh, with post-traumatic stress. Um, I do think though, and I don't know what your opinion is. I do think people go a little bit overboard sometimes, um, with dogs and do they really need them or are they just there? Because especially when I go to the airport and I'm on a plane and a guy has an emotional support dog and it's on his lap, supposed to be an emotional support dog. I don't know if he's a veteran or not. And he's up on his lap and we're in the plane and he's feeding it noodles. Um, yeah, I, I don't think that's an emotional support dog. I think that's just some dude that... Yeah, it's definitely easier to get. I, I, I got to be honest, though, it doesn't bother me because I just love dogs so much. And, and also, if I had a dog, I wouldn't want to put the dog at the bottom of the plane. So I'd, <laughs> I'd probably be that guy getting getting somehow uh, hey, getting that emotional support if you, tag hey, just so I could bring him on a plane. If you put... put If he sleeps under at your feet like this, but putting him up and feeding him when we're all... Tra- no, fuck that. You stop that stupid shit. Put that dog down there. Let him down there. Feed him. A, you hand him a noodle down there. I don't care. But it doesn't need to be on your lap. We're actually feeding him the noodles with the same fork that you're feeding. I, I, no, I'm sorry, dude. That's too far. Too far. <laughs> too far. <laughs> all right. Um, we'll get to this next one from uh, Carl Donovan. Oh, all right. So this is – oh, Carrie Donovan. I'm sorry. Okay. I told you about this email. This yeah. is pretty interesting because – as you guys may remember, if you've been listening to the podcast a while, we had an episode that I believe was titled, titled Trump Tweets Out Unfounded Conspiracy Theory About SEAL Team 6. This is the woman who wrote the article that we discussed that Trump tweeted out. So you'll hear that in the email. Uh, hi, y'all. I wrote an article. I couldn't believe this woman listens to the podcast. That well, I that's, that's awesome. Mind. No, that's yeah, fantastic. So, Hi, y'all. I wrote an article about SEAL Team 6, which President Trump tweeted out in October before the election, and it caused quite a stir. 
A number of major media outlets continued to mock me for months about it. In my article, my concern was clearly for the parents who lost loved ones on SEAL Team 6, and they felt they were not given answers they should have been given about what happened. I've heard from a couple of guys since that I should keep uh, writing, but what caused me to pause was the guy who said he killed bin Laden. She's talking about Rob O'Neill, who was furious with me, and on Twitter made me feel like I disrespected him. I want to use my position as a journalist to help and not hurt. What should I do? I have a lot of feelings on this one. Yeah, um, you know, this was the one where I think her article was that that wasn't Bin Laden they killed, right? Is that is yeah? That was a body double. It was a body double. Um, you know, I I know Matt uh, Mark Matt Bissonette. He 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 goes by his real name now on the so I'm not giving it giving yeah. it out. Mark Owen. Um, you know when he and he's the one that wrote No Easy Day. He was uh, you know he was there, um, and then of course Rob was there. Uh, yeah. I, you know, I give seals a lot of shit. They give me a lot of shit, but for them to lie, I don't see that. And I don't see Rob as being that person, you know, arrogant or not that people may think Rob is, or he isn't. Um, I don't see Rob lying about that. There's no reason to, and especially Matt, I see no reason Matt. To, that's why I was like, no, I think that's horseshit. They did. Um, Again, what we talk about trusting our government, eh, I don't trust our government either, but I do trust the guys. I do trust what they say, whether they're SEALs, Marines, or Rangers, or so forth. It'd be like somebody, it's it's like Obama saying Benghazi was a conspiracy. <laughs> Fuck you, it was. I was there. Well, same thing. You didn't really kill bin Laden. Well, what do you think the guys on the ground are going to say that were there? Well, fuck you. I was there. I did it. Yeah. It wasn't and, just and by one. the way, I'm, I'm just pulling this up because just so that we get right what, um, you know, what was said. And when when Rob O'Neill tweeted out her article, which I understand why what he wrote, he wrote uh, and he was tweeting this at Trump because he was, you know, even though I know Rob was a Trump supporter, he was pissed about this. And he yeah. said, very brave men said goodbye to their kids to go kill Osama bin Laden. We were given the order by President Obama. It was not a body double. Thank you, Mr. President. And uh, then, yeah, Carrie, who who emailed us, wrote, I have no proof that the whistleblowers claim uh, are is true. And so, you know, which should have said should have been said originally, I feel, you know, you, you that's a very heavy allegation to put out there. And I feel like if you're going to have questions about this type of thing, you should at least have read Rob O'Neill's book and Matt Bissonette's book and given a balanced view, because I don't believe body double conspiracy. I do believe it's completely baseless. And I I don't uh, apologize for anything I said on that show, because I do think those articles and and let me make it clear, you have the right to write any article you want. I'm not one of these people saying, you know, you shouldn't be allowed to question these things at all, because in other countries, it's true. You write an article like that, you will get thrown in jail. I mean, if you write an article, it's the same as in certain countries. You write an article questioning the Holocaust, write a book, you will go to jail. I am not for any of that. You have the right to write whatever you want. Um, But talk to the guys who are on the raid and they will tell you they shot and killed bin Laden and he died like a coward. And and here's, here's, and you're asking, well, what should I do? So we're, I don't want to beat you down on that because you're really asking to me. I, I am, that's a, I, 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 thank you. Thank you for asking, not being, Hey fuckers. Why did you say this? Uh, you're asking, Hey, help me. What should we do? Well, we're going to go that let's again, let's, that's what the podcast is for. Let's turn this into a positive. All right. Well in the future. Um, and maybe you did do this, uh, ask the guys, do an interview with the guys. If you're talking about 
an incident where again, where families, where operators are involved, where people, where operators are, are U.S. military, and, and the guys died on it. Uh, you know, helicopter went. You need to talk to the guys, and if there's guys within that team, this is what I always hated with Benghazi. So this is why I'm advising this. If there are guys within that team or on the mission who are coming to you and saying, hey, that really wasn't bin Laden, then you need to get them to speak out on your paper, not just say somebody on that mission. I hated that shit. Somebody, when somebody about Benghazi, when something, hey, you know, we were moving weapons. Well, say something. Well, I may lose my job. Well, then fucking shut up. I, you know, I don't want to hear it. You need to go and get those guys, whoever said it, to get on there. So we know it, that that's the, the as an article, if you're going to dispute something like that, that's a very important. And you're going to say that was probably a body double. Then you need to have some validation from someone else there on the ground. Then Rob over here saying, wait, I shot him. Another of his team members with his name is saying, no, you didn't. Well, now we've got an actual argument. All right. Well, what the fuck happened? All right. Now let's start to dig it, dig it up. But when it's just, hey, they didn't shoot Bin Laden. Well, how do you know? Well, this, well, they told me, well, who the fuck's they? Well, I can't tell you. They, they'll lose their job. Well, then don't write it. That's my opinion. Don't don't because you're open. Not because it's illegal. Not because you don't have the right to write it. Because this is what happens. It opens up a Pandora's box, and now also you 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 are disrespecting the guys on the ground. You really are. And I said the same thing when people would come to me and say, "Hey, you need to talk to this guy. You need to talk to this guy. This is what happened. They'll tell you what happened, and then you need to go on the news." And I would say, "Nope." If this is what they know about uh, this was uh, QRF forces that were in the area that, you know, that I fi- I'm eventually am finding out, I would tell people, no, I don't need to go on the news and tell the guy from that particular unit needs to step up and go on the news and tell them. I've told my side. I know I'm not going to be the mouthpiece for somebody else. Well, essentially, that's what you're doing without having the validation of who exactly you're being the mouthpiece for. So again, with this, I say, just let it lie. It's out there. It's done. Hey, no harm, no foul. You keep bringing it up. It's going to keep coming up and people are going to either bash you or they're not, you know, you're still going to be in the forefront. If you want it to go away, then you just let it go away. And it will, because the news, he knows this is what I do. The news cycle is so, yeah, it's so <laughs> fast, but in the future, if you That's, are, gonna- you know, like I said this on part one, but I brought up the black black rifle coffee thing. It was like an issue for a few days. Like people were like, "Oh, that company's done. They're yeah, not done. They're not you know? done. They're not." And then it just goes away. But that's saying if you're going to do something like this in the future, you really need to have that wherever you're getting that information from. You've got to be able to use their names, especially if it's a guy that was on that op. Because I do believe, brother, in the end, I do believe if she had a name of the guy that was on the op that said they didn't shoot bin Laden, I think both of us would have been, okay, this might be something to look into. All right. Now we've got two conflicting stories with two guys from SEAL Team 6 that were both there. All right. What's going on? Uh, but since we didn't have that, really, you are, you're just, you're, 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 you're disrespecting the guys that were there that put their lives on the line that did. I believe did kill Bin Laden. I do. I do believe he's dead. I, if he wasn't, believe me, the dude's a fucking sociopath, egomaniac. He wouldn't stay, be able to stay in hiding this long. <laughs> we no, would, and his family been, members yeah, have spoken yeah. out. Yeah. So, um, but in the future, for any of you future would be or journalists or any, if you're going to put stuff on it, do not say they. Well, they said who the fuck is this? Yeah, yeah, no anonymous sources. This is who said it. And if they're not willing to tell you who they are, 
um, or you don't feel like in the future they're going to be willing to tell you who they are, come forward, then you just don't write it. You got to have something valid in this particular incident when stuff's like and stuff like this with yeah. when, when, when service members are putting their lives on the line and have gone through hell for their country and they've done a good service or not, but they've lost their lives or could have lost their lives in the service of their country. And I say the same thing with guys in Benghazi. I do the same thing. That's why we, you know, we, we always will always have respect and I'll never say, well, they said, I was less bothered that the article was written than that the president retweeted it. The president has to have more integrity than that. that. And that, and that's what pissed me off. And and that's also why I think it's a misnomer when people say, and you hear a lot of people on the right say this, uh, that the, you know, the thing that pissed people off about Trump is uh, what's the big deal. He just sent a bunch of mean tweets that, that didn't bother me. Him sending mean tweets. This was posting misinformation. I think is a lot different than posting mean tweets. So I think that's always, not correct. Um, the two things I'll say also about the bin Laden raid, and I don't know if you talked about this in the article, but like there's two pieces of, of information, misinformation that always gets spread out there. I mean, one of which, and Rob has refuted this, is that there's people who say that every member who was on the bin Laden raid besides Rob O'Neill is dead. That is not true. They're all alive no, and well. They're all uh, yeah. Yeah. All those guys. And then the other is what? they're like, oh, they didn't get DNA from him. They did get the DNA. Rob O'Neill will say that, I, you know, Matt Bissonnette, I believe, will say that. And they'll say, why do they dump the body at sea? Uh, from what I know, and Jack Murphy wrote an article about this pretty shortly after it happened. And this seems the most believable to me. Understandably, those guys just shot the hell out of bin Laden's body. Uh, to the point where it wasn't even like a distinguishable human anymore. And they just threw it right in the ocean. And and I think that was also to avoid as crazy as it is war crimes, because you can't do that even if the person is bin Laden. Not that any of us would care, but the picture of what would be bin Laden would have been just blood and guts. Well, and, I, mean, I think you, it was easier just, do, is this a DNA sample? Yes, we got him and we're throwing him at sea well, and we're going to say it's an Islamic you know, burial. Well, my th- my th- and by doing that too, is you, you stop this from being a martyr site. You bury them. That has just turned into a martyr site. You've turned into, this is a Mecca for terrorists to go or people digging up his body or going in there and memorializing this terrorist. That's another, uh, to me, that's another reason why you don't bury him or put him somewhere because that just gives that, that you're making a shrine, whether you like it or not, it becomes a shrine eventually. For some fucking ner- terrorist or cutting up bag, throwing him in the ocean, he's done. You can't travel to the Bin Laden site. Even us Americans, how many Americans would go? You know what? I want to go see where that guy's buried. Us fucking. Sometimes we get so stupid with our stuff. How many people would want to do that trip? They you would. Instagram pictures. Hey, this is where <laughs> that would happen. So I, by putting him at sea, it eliminates all that. But yeah, I, I, I don't want to dissuade you from not still reporting. Do it. Keep reporting. Do it. And do what you. But try to stay away if you're going to put stuff of, of they, what they said. Um, if there's still a story here and you actually have a name of somebody that is, and again, <clears throat> that being said, it's, it's a double-edged sword. But if you have a name of somebody that told you that that wasn't Bin Laden, that was on the mission, then you need to talk to that person and say, hey, you know, do you, if this is real, you need to get yourself out there. And say, yeah, I will be that contact. Then they'll take the heat. Well, rightfully and, so. But you got to do it that way. Not just put their name out there because then you're fucking them over. But then if they say no, as as shitty as it is, hey, you, I think there's still has to be some integrity in reporting. You got to come back and not report it. You just 
I'll wait until that person really wants to talk out of respect just for their service. That's what I would do. But keep reporting. Keep doing it. Just we just have to have and you're not the only one. We, we just have to have more integrity in reporting is all. And I know it's easy for me to say it because I'm not a reporter, but I also know what integrity is because I violated integrity and I've also found my integrity. And I believe that would be the right way to do it. If we had more integrity in reporting, we wouldn't have a, a lot of these, well, anonymous sources. They said, he said, she said shit out there that turns out a lot of times just to be misinformation. So it's my opinion. By the way, I'm just thinking about this when I was saying bin Laden still has family members who will vouch that he's dead. Did you see during the election how his, uh, his niece was like a yeah. diehard Trump supporter. There were a ton of articles about that. Did you see all that? Was it niece or I thought it was his brother-in-law or brother? He might have been too, because I'm even looking right here. This is more recent. Um, yeah, yeah. Video shows Osama bin, and this is Business Insider. Uh, video shows Osama bin Laden's niece waving a flag that says Trump won on a lake outside the Biden-Putin summit. Nor bin Laden protested on Lake Geneva during Joe Biden and Vladimir Putin's meeting. She waved a Trump one flag. Bin Laden, who has denounced, uh, who has denounced the 9-11 attacks, meaning her Bin Laden, came out last year as a Trump supporter. That's just like a funny fact. It was interesting. You know? I, I, I thought it was his brother. Maybe that was Gaddafi's he may have been too. brother-in-law too. But uh, yeah, I, 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 yeah, no, I don't want to. I think you're awesome for even asking and asking for our opinions of what to do. I, I love that you I love that you asked us. You didn't get defensive. You didn't. Hey, to me, I that did just, tell that, her though, and and full disclosure, I did email her back, and I was like, just to not throw you under the bus, I want to let you know that we were not in favor of the article. Well, and see, know, we weren't. That, we, well, we, I'm not going to walk back what we said. No, that shows your integrity as well, though, dude. You have a lot of integrity. We wouldn't be doing this show if you didn't have integrity, brother. I wouldn't exactly. be doing it with you. So, uh, but to me, uh, man, her question in that tone of question, how she asked to me that she's moving in the right direction, and. I, don't worry. Don't beat yourself up over it. We all, again, we talked about it on the show. We all make mistakes, learn from the mistakes. So it doesn't happen again. We, we all do fuck ups. Everybody we do. something. in this case, I think it was a bit, you, you, I think your heart was in the right place. I think you had good intentions, but from a service member standpoint, if you're going to go with something that public, you really have to have your ducks in a row and you have to have names of people. You just can't be somebody they said that it wasn't because, you know, the guys that were there risking their lives that were on that op are, are like Matt or Ket or Mark or, and Rob and the team are going to take tremendous offense to it. And I would too. And I take tre- tremendous offense when anybody says something about Benghazi that is, well, they said, even on the military side, we've had guys do that with the, you know, Ian knows this, we're not going to get into it, but, you know, even military.com and even, you know, even some of us, who does um, Marty write for now? You know, Oh, uh, coffee or die. Some of them about what Delta actually did that night that they really didn't do. I was there. It didn't happen, but it's, it's okay. You know, okay. It's, it's okay to learn hopefully learn from those mistakes and then just improve off them. And I believe, you know, I'm not a writer, but I believe just from my opinion that you made a little mistake on this one, a little, little, we can minimize it because it's, it's past and there's more shit going on. Just don't do it again. But if you have, if you do have a name of somebody that was on that mission on there, on the ground that is saying that has not been Laden and has the proof. Yeah. You, it has to be founded. Cause I, I do know that this <laughs> article 
was circulating among the QAnon movement and all that. And yeah. and a lot of stuff they've put out there is patently false. I mean, I've seen, you know, for example, the, the QAnon people were posting people that were on Epstein's island that were not there. And that's a huge allegation to make yeah. that someone is on an, an island with underage girls. You have to be sure of that. Like, we know Bill Clinton flew <laughs> on that island. We know that. But then there was stuff coming out there that Tom Hanks and Eminem yeah. and like, and there's no evidence of that. Yeah. And you can't, and people repost it on Instagram and because they saw it on a site. Well, what site did you see it on? Where are they getting it? Where's the picture of the actual flight log? You know, the, you got to ask these things before you put it out there. And that, yeah. and that was more why I thought the president was out of line to, to put Do, that out there. Yeah. Um, but yeah. any, I actually skipped to another question because this is exactly what you're talking about with um, the Benghazi stuff with hearing things that are incorrect. So it, it was perfect to do this as the next question as a segue. Um, this is from Norm. Hi, Chris. Thank you for the signed book for my dad. God bless you and yours for standing on that wall for us. The Benghazi on, say, on station CIA chief, Bob, claims that the order to stand down never happened. Did it happen that way depicted in the movie? Thank you again for your service, Norm Fox. Actually, read the 13 hours, read the book. That's exactly how it happened. Um, the stand down order. Uh, here's what happened. From my perspective, from my from where I was at, um, the first call, I'll just walk down to it. I know we're, we're, we're now. Fuck it, we can go as long as we want to show as we want. <laughs> All right. Um, when we got the call, uh, it was around nine thirty-two. At least that's what it said from my watch. The time we used on the movie was the time they had on the uh, on the CI register. That was the time they jotted down. I looked at my watch. It looked like it was nine thirty-two. Um, this is GRS. We need you in the team room. Okay. Well, we went to the team room. Um, we got our gear. We, and it was, it was more, <laughs> it was, there was a lot of intensity at that point in time. I know I'm talking to it in a calm voice, but the firefight was already starting to rage. I was seeing this tracers. We're only three quarters of a mile away. People are running around and I'm seeing all of the teams start to get their gear and they're doing an awesome job. The team is, I mean, it, it reminded me of a symphony. It really did a beautiful symphony of as all this chaos is going around, I'm seeing Roan doing his thing, Jack doing his thing, Boone doing his thing, Tig doing his thing. Oz was out on an op. The movie does it spot on. Oz was out at a dinner with our female case officer. And um, it's just beautiful because of all this chaos, all these CI people chaotically running around, the guys are just doing their thing. It was beautiful. Just smooth as silk. Um, well, five minutes were ready to go. And I remember I, I – Roan got on the radio and he goes, uh, he goes, dude, are you ready? Cause he was driving the sedan. I was driving the SUV. I had Boone in my vehicle. Boone and I were on the SUV. He had Jack and Tig. And I, 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 I saw him. I heard him in the radio uh, on my ear, earpiece. And I went like this cause I didn't have to respond. And we we're only like 20 meters away from each other. And he went like this. Okay, so what I'm doing is I'm giving thumbs up. We gave each other a thumbs up. I went to Bob and I remember we had Bob right here and we had our GRS team leader. Now we don't portray him in the movie. Um, Bob and our GRS team leader are wrapped in the same character. We, he's in the book. We just couldn't, it's movies do that. Sometimes you just don't have enough time to get every character you want from a book into the movie. It just takes too much time to, to build the backstories. So, but Bob was here. Our team leader was here. So basically I'm looking at him. Bob is at my 11 o'clock. Our team leader is at my one o'clock. They're adamantly talking on their cell phones. To this day, I have no idea who they were talking to. No clue. Never, nobody would ever tell me. Oh, shit. Okay. Gotcha. I know. I knocked, <laughs> knocked my microphone down. I said, chief, couldn't get a response. Hey, and I, I'm not giving the name of my team leader. I'd call him by his call sign. I'd say, so-and-so, 
team leader. Guys, they were still, it's like they were ignoring me. I was like, hey, fucking we're ready to go. And they looked at me and I go, we're ready to go. And I remember my team leader looked at Bob. Bob gave him some little eye eye thing. My team leader turned to me and he goes, wait, you guys need to wait. Motherfucker. Bob said the same thing. He looked at me, he goes, you guys need to wait. Roger, walk back to my car, trying to stay calm. Firefight's going on. We're listening to Scott, uh, Scott, and specifically though, Alec Henderson, who is in the tactical operations center. He's the guy that in the movie that has all the TV screens around him. He's in an operations center like that, has TV screens. He's watching the closed caption TV. He's watching the, 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 the um, consulate get overrun. He's watching it all. And the fires, they're starting to light the fires now. And, the firefights even getting bigger and they're just, they're just, it's just chaos. You can hear it over there. And they're calling us on the radio. GRS, you know, they're basically saying, get over, get over here, get over here. We need you. We need you. We fucking need you. We're dying guys. That's hard because you're hearing that. And you're like, fuck. Well, 15 minutes later, 15 minutes after the initial call, I see Bob walk over to the sedan where Tig is. Now Tig's fired up. He's pissed as fuck. And him and Bob are going at it. I'm watching this. I cannot hear exactly what they're saying but I am watching the gestures and they are obviously arguing about something I'm like fuck dude. And I'm looking at Boone, like you seeing this and we're watching him. And I, I know I, I, in my, in my heart and in my soul, I know what's going on because Bob had not let us go out on two other ops that we were supposed to respond to that. He told us not to go on. The movie portrayed the first one very well, except where we were supposed to go help Roan after he was at the airport the only difference in the movie the movie was in the daytime that actually happened at night. That was, that happened. That actually happened on a run to the airport where Bob would not let us go. That's why we put, we just made it daytime. So you could see it better in the movie than doing it at night where you couldn't really, we couldn't see what was going on. So I know that Bob's telling Tig that we can't go. I don't know exactly, but I know, and they're fucking fighting and fighting. And then Bob walks and just walks off, ignores Tig, walks back into building C. Tig heads back in the car. He's like, that. I can see him out. He's going, that motherfucker, that motherfucker. And I go, Roan, what's going on? And I go, Tig says, Bob just told us to stand down. That was the stand down right there. The fucking stand down. Actually, the movie, we tried to help Bob out. I, and Bob can fuck himself. I don't give a shit. Bob, but that we made it. Because we were trying to make the movie at that point in time to show that, okay, maybe maybe he knew something more than we did. Maybe he was still talking to somebody and didn't let us go because there was some other asset out there. So we were trying to give him the benefit of the doubt in the movie. So when you see him and Roan arguing, it really was him and Tig. We put made it Roan because really Roan was our leader. Roan, and Roan was the one that told me, hey, Bob just told us to stand down. And Roan was arguing with him as well. But the actual stand down order where he yelled it was at Tig. Roan was right there as well. But in the movie, we did it because we wanted to see it from Bob's point of view where make and what he was thinking. And he did say this when he went and did his testimony. He said, well, I told him that, you know, he, he never would admit that he told him, to, I told him to stand out. He never would admit, but he said, the reason I wasn't letting them go is because I didn't want our compound to be open. You know, he didn't want our compound to be attacked. So we're like, okay, you know what? I can buy that. You're, you don't ever been in combat. You were shit in your pants. You were more worried about yourself than those guys, which is not what we do. We bought, I get that. 
because when the movie was made, we had access to some of that stuff that he said during his testimonies. Now, a lot of it's classified, but that was one. So that's why we put it in the movie that way. We're like, you know what? Fuck it. Fine. You know what? We'll give you the benefit of the doubt there. All right. And even when I testified during my two, two secret testimonies at the uh, at the Capitol building, I do remember Adam Schiff, turd, biggest turd in the world. He is. He's a turd. And he knows he knows I don't like him. He knows that we, he knows we know he, he knows we've been in TV sets personally. Yeah, he knows. But um, and I don't think he gives two shits. So who am I? But um, I remember he asked me, he goes, so did you think that that initial and he, they would never say stand up? He said, do you think that initial wait of you guys waiting at 30 minutes and Bob wouldn't let you go? Your chief wouldn't let you go was what, what did you think about it? I said, well, I don't think that it was malicious. I don't think there was any attention to it. Granted, I don't know for sure because I still don't know who was talking, who he was talking to on the phone. I said, but um, I said, but I just think he was shitting his pants and didn't know what to do, which is essentially what most leaders do that have never had the experience that try to fake it. And you can't fake it during combat. <laughs> it's, and, but I said later, I said, the stand down later, that came from the units that were trying to come to us, that definitely was malicious. And I said, I know who that was by. That was Patrick Kennedy. That was Charlene Lamb, the two undersecretaries. And that was Hillary Clinton. And that's the truth. So there really are two different stand downs. One for us in the movie, which again, I just think Bob shit himself. Just didn't know what the fuck he was doing. He was more worried about his own life than helping somebody else, which is typical on a sociopath egocentric that has no integrity. On the other hand, as far as the military not coming to us, that was a State Department call that for some reason the SecDef, Leon Panetta, at that time had relinquished control of the military assets and gave them to the State Department. It was a State Department mission. Hillary Clinton, as far as politics go, is a lot more powerful than Leon Panetta. And we were doing shit, State Department mission that we shouldn't have been doing there. So there you go. I mean, is that, I hope that answers the question. Oh yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I think that's the most in-depth I've heard you get into it. And I, I think people will appreciate that. I hope that you guys are enjoying this part two of our two part Q and a, a lot of great questions in here covered a lot of versatile questions. And I love that when you guys send all different types of things that we can get into here on battle line podcast, when you email battle podcast at gmail.com, I'm sure we'll do more of these in the future. But before we continue, our newest sponsor is in the night vision realm, and they've been absolutely killing it as a company. They're the best, and they really are the standard for night vision. Photonist Defense is the global leader in night vision solutions, providing more high-quality night vision capabilities than anyone. Hunters, shooters, boaters, and outdoor enthusiasts rely on Photonist Defense systems to make their adventures safer and more successful. Military, law enforcement, and public safety end users utilize Photonist Defense solutions to give them the edge at night in tactical situations and rescue operations. Photonist Defense is now offering state-of-the-art night vision systems from the PD-Pro B16mm binocular and the PD-Pro-M 16mm monocular to the PD-Pro-Q panoramic night vision systems, customers from all over 
are excited about these new, smaller, lighter NVGs. You have got to see these things to really experience how much smaller and lighter they are than anything you have used previously. And be on the lookout on uh, on one of our YouTube channels. I don't know if it'll be on the Battleline Podcast YouTube or Battleline Tactical, but we're going to put up something with Chris using the Photonist Defense Night Vision and to give you an idea of just how kick-ass that these are. So you're going to want to pick something up from them. Visit photonistdefense.com for more information. Link is in the description. That's P-H-O-T-O-N-I-S defense.com. Photonist Defense. Hey, support our sponsors, guys, because that's who keeps us going. And in the process, you're going to get some toys that you really enjoy. So once again, photonistdefense.com for more information or look for Photonist Defense product options from your night vision dealer. And now back to our two-part Q&A, the second part of which right here, only of course on Battleline Podcast. Um, all right, so we'll get into this next one here from Laura. I'm a middle-aged woman from the middle of the country. Wondering about a theme I have heard from some military guests. Do you think we have all been misled? Who told these stories that regular people think you're killers or are afraid of you? And told me I can't know what is going on with government operations for my own safety. It seems convenient to keep a wedge. Tell your truthful stories. Most of the people I know come from kindness. Tell them things they can do. If 155 million people voted this time, if 10 million viewers slash listeners are crazy loud left and 15 million on crazy loud right, where are the remaining stuck in the middle? I don't buy into everyone is too ignorant to understand. Thanks for your service, Laura. Man, is that directed at me or both of us? I guess all of us. I mean, I I, I understand, um, yeah, some of what she's coming from. You know, I think it's, you know, the whole divide and conquer yeah. of, uh, you know, we, we have to, that the media drives, that social media drives for sure that, um, you know, we all have to be on one side or the other yeah, and yeah, we can't yeah, listen to each yeah. other. Um, I guess the one thing I, I would, I, I don't know if I'm saying I would dispute cause I, I think she's, would probably be in agreement that we're told this where it said, um, who told these stories that regular people think you're killers or are afraid of you. I mean, poll after poll, and it's not like it's just one poll, you know, poll, show that, the U.S. support of the military is is very high. Like the, the the U.S. citizens think very highly of the military. Honestly, more so than all the recent stuff with police. There's a lot yeah. of division yeah. on if people like police. There's a, most people are distrustful of government. But I, when you look at like poll after poll, the popularity among the U.S. military is high. I think it's very different than the Vietnam days. I mean, yeah. even when we had yeah. Rob Furlong on, I, I asked Rob how Canadians feel about the military there. And he said, it's nothing like, you know, he's like, I've been to America and I've never seen such support from the military in any country other than America. So, I mean, that tells you something. That's from well, Canadian. And I, I think you're getting the, the, the baby killers in this. Hey, I, I lived in Fort Lewis. I, I mean, I lived in Olympia. I lived in the Northwest. And and yeah, there, there are people still out there that look at the military as, as they saw us in Vietnam, uh, you know, with that little bit of hatred as baby killer. I, I was called one. Um, I was, it was from some ignorant. It was when I was living in Olympia, but I, I do think that is the minority, but again, remember who has control of most of the media. So, and what are you watching? What media are you watching? And there are still are those out there that deem us as loose cannons left, um, nuts, not left nuts, left nuts. Did I say left nuts? <laughs> um, as, <laughs> as, as, as nuts, um, or, 
can't trust them. I think there are businesses out there that that's worry a little bit about, Hey, the, the, it's the veteran that's going to shoot up, shoot up the, uh, the, the corporation and he's going to go loony, which is the complete farthest from the truth. I, I don't, but I agree with you. And I think for the most part, and I've seen it just from me being a speaker, I still being out there doing public speaking right or left or whatever your political stances are. Um, if you're not an extremist all the way to the left that way, you support the military. And there are those out there. I'm not saying there are, I know sure. I'm not a fucking, I'm not an idiot. Yeah. I don't think Antifa loves our military. I, I don't. I, I think, but I think their, their number one target is the cops. I, it's, I it's think, the, you know what I mean? I think if I had to say which groups gets oh, way yeah, yeah. more shit, it's cops. And, and, and then the military. Definitely. Definitely. So, um, um, uh, so in that aspect, I, I, I want you, I hope it puts your minds at ease that most people, and for me speaking to groups that are, have different uh, their their politics. They're different in, in partisan politics. They're different as far as who are who the party they support. I still speak for them. It shows me that um, yeah, that both sides moderate. If you're moderates from both sides, you 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 believe in the military. You love the military. You respect them, and you're thankful for their service. I've been told thanks by hey Elijah Cummings after one of my testimonies came up to me after and shook my hand. And it was, I, I really felt it was sincere by looking in his eyes and said, Hey man, thank you. Thank you for what you did. Thank you for your service. Just as Trey Gowdy did the same thing. So I do think that the, both the left and right respect the military and know that it needs, needs to, we need the military, a strong military. We need guys that are willing to stand on that wall, but need to have integrity as well. Um, so, um, uh, but I, the moderate, the middle, middle ground, there is middle ground. I do. I think it's less and less though, because we watch the media and we do have a right side and a left side. And there, that's what we were talking about on the last show. It's, it's harder for someone on the right or the left to agree. We just like with what I said about Hill, about Bill Clinton on the last show. Yeah. I don't like the Clintons. We just recorded that. We just recorded. <laughs> yeah, so. I don't, I don't like, I don't like the Clintons uh, personally. And I don't think they're very uh, genuine people. I don't think they have an ounce of integrity, but President Clinton also did was very good as a president on the economy. I can recognize yeah, I, that. Well, you know what you you guys who have listened to the show here, and I almost feel like I I to probably talk about it too much, but I always talk about super PACs, and we get our news from super PAC, yeah. and and that's that all plays into it. I I don't focus on it just because you know I want to. I think it's a big issue. Um, we get our news from people who run super PACs, like they're on Fox news, these people like Charlie Kirk. And it's just true. You already know what he's going to say before he says it. You know, if you run a Republican minded or Democrat minded super PAC, you're not going to go on Fox news and say this guy who I, you know, were vehemently, you know, opposed to did something good. It just doesn't, it doesn't happen, you know, because they're paid to, to divide. So yeah, I think that's it. That's a big thing. And you know what a, a big thing, honestly, is I think is just being um, li- listening to people who you disagree with, having civil conversations. Um, you know, y- I think when people feel here that th- uh, here that you should listen to all these different people, they think that sometimes you're saying you should moderate or or alter your own principles. And I don't feel that way at all. I think you could be as principally <clears throat> hard right or hard left as you want but still talk to people who aren't on your side of the aisle. And, uh, and it's like, and you don't have to be a pussy about it. You know what I mean? It, you don't have, you don't have to change your <laughs> principles, but I think things would change a lot. And we said, okay, that, that makes sense. I hear where you're coming from. Cause I don't, 
I mean, I guess part of it is living here in New York. I talk to people from, you know, you go to the city, it's a lot more left wing. Here on Long Island is a lot more right wing. I talk to so many people from all over. And uh, I think what you see on the news of left and right is yeah. is like a caricature of what most it people is. are, and, and, you, you know, know that, and, and people buy into it. I mean, you look at certain cars around here and I know how you feel <laughs> just looking about, your, you know, like, looking at your car on every that. single issue. And, and I think the media plays on a lot of that, man. I mean, there's certain things I would probably be labeled left on, but I'm, you know, right wing on most things and libertarian on, on just about everything. But, yeah, I think just being civil towards people and and you know, not looking at fellow Americans as your enemy would make a world of difference. Well, and that's, there's differences and we get into it. We talk about Charlie Kirk on the Fox side. Well, it's the same thing as Don Lemon, even though he's not a super PAC on the other side. Yeah, that's right. But I mean, the super PAC guys in general, you know, like, yeah. All all I'm getting at is that if you're watching the media, Don Lemon is not going to say Trump did anything right ever. Neither like Charlie Kirk's never going to say that Bill Clinton did or did anything right. Um, he wasn't even alive. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's I, I just using the analogy. Sorry, guys. I know, I know. But what I'm saying, I agree with you, is that just do stop worrying about what everybody else out there is doing. Right, if you're not living your life perfectly with love, you know, with uh, with the ability to to conversate and have a discussion with people, the ability to to talk to somebody and see their differences, then you have no reason to be telling everybody else to do it. I, I, we, we can't fix. I, I got better when I fixed my own life. When I started to look at myself and be like, wait a second. Okay. Am I a hypocrite here? What do I need to do to be the best person I can be? Husband, father, I'm a Christian, best Christian I can be. You don't have to be a Christian. All I'll say is I'm as a good Christian. I'm never going to tell you, I believe in Christianity. That's horseshit. If you have a Christian telling you that they need to look at, look in the mirror. I'll just tell you, believe in something, have faith in something. And if that faith is something that gives you good parameters and has you gives you good values, let you uh, gives you a, a basis to live in virtue, then that's what you need to do: live with virtue. Then once you do able to do that, honestly, the other stuff that's out there, you don't need to concern yourself with. If everybody cleaned their own house, made sure their own house was kept, I think a lot of the problems would go away. And then we could we could just talk to you, just like me and Ian. We have our disagreements, but we can talk about it together. And I don't think he's a nutbag and he doesn't think I'm a, not all the time. I mean, I'm a nutbag regardless, but, <laughs> but he doesn't think, man, that dumb, ass, you know, I can at least give my opinion why, and we can walk away going, you know, we don't agree with each other, but okay. He has a good point. Makes sense. All right, Chris, you have a good point. Makes sense. Um, I still have my feelings, but yeah. If you can, that, that's that's as easy as it is. It's just that we want to control. What did True Seeker say? He did a great oh, yeah, that thing. Video I put. Yeah, it was yeah, no, awesome. I, I, I remember that video I put. He or, said like when he was young, he thought of himself as a revolutionary who could change the world. And then he realized he couldn't change the world. So he tried to change the country. And then he's like, I tried to, and they didn't want to listen. I tried to change my state, you know. And then he said, yeah, when it started with me changing me, I was able to change my family, who was then able to change the community, which could that's, then change. Yeah, it, it is very true. I think people like people like yourself, you know, who live with integrity, who live with honor, and they're influenced by that. Not that you're an influencer, <laughs> but but they are influenced by it, and they might they might say, "Hey, I want to adapt this into my own life." Something that Chris is doing, and that and that's what we that's what as if you are out in the forefront, if you are a public figure, that's what we should strive to be. Is is that it? You never never condemn somebody else for not being perfect if you're not perfect. Never condemn somebody else's sins. 
because you're a sinner as well. Well, I'm not as bad of a sinner. I'm sorry, Brad. God doesn't waste sins. A sin's a sin's a sin, regardless of what it is. And unless you're living perfectly, you have no reason to condemn that person over there for their political views, for how they live their life, or for what they what they put in their bodies. All right. They have to figure it out for themselves and correct themselves. People gave me advice of how to fix myself when I was when I was, I was, I was all fucked up. I was this cross. I, I don't know how it didn't burn into my skin, literally. But, um, you know, of course, that's what God forgets. He does. Um, definitely. But um, until I was able to look in the mirror, and that's the hardest thing to do. We've talked on the show before. Look in the mirror and go, okay, is this how I want to live the rest of my life? What do I need to do to fix it? What guidelines do I have to fix my life? Well, I got a Bible. I got a constitution. And I got the way my mother and father gave me what values they gave me. And I got the army values, which are awesome. The seven army values. I need to live with virtue. How do I need to do that? And that's when I started to fix myself. And that's when I think I actually was able to communicate better. And I don't think this show, if I was my old self, I don't think we'd still be having the show. You and I would probably go off the rails arguing with each other because <laughs> I was a, I was a prick thinking I was having to be right all the time. Because it's so funny though, because as you always said, I never I know. <laughs> saw that part of you. I, but you know, I know you were you were more political, and I knew you from doing a political yeah, yeah, you know, we'll talk call, show. But we'll all right, so we're going to get into more emails, guys. But before we do, you often hear us talk about Fort Scott Munitions on the show. Fort Scott Munitions really stands behind what we do, and they are the best ammo on the market. If you go to a battle line tactical course, you're going to be shooting with Fort Scott munitions. And I know even in your own home for personal defense and even going to the range, this is what you use. And yeah, Fort Scott is a manufacturer of multi-federal patented solid copper and brass CNC spun ammunition that's designed to tumble upon impact in soft tissue, leaving devastating wound channels for faster bleed out and quicker incapacitation. This ammunition was originally developed to innovate and improve on the standard of military grade ammunition design. It was found that not only did the TUI ammunition outperform competitors in the self-defense industry, but it quickly became apparent that it would be a top contender for hunters alike. With the ammunition being CNC spun, the tolerances are some of the tightest on the market, ensuring that you receive the same results with each pull of the trigger. Fort Scott Munitions is available throughout privately owned businesses in all 50 states. And uh, you could find those if you just go to the dealer locator at fortscottmunitions.com. And uh, they'll show you the closest places to you. They're selling Fort Scott Munitions. Yeah. On top of that, you could use our promo code BATTLELINE. And you'll get 15% off any of their awesome merchandise, which includes the Tactic Squad shirt, the really cool trucker hats, and that's at FortScottMunitions.com. Promo code BATTLELINE. Fort Scott Munitions is a proud supporter of Chris Peranto, BATTLELINE Tactical, and this show right here, the BATTLELINE Podcast. And yeah, we can't thank them enough. I mean, they, they are, they've been on board. They're the longest sponsor, and a lot of people who have been on the show have now switched over to Fort Scott yeah, Munitions. Yeah. And this is what they trust. This is what they shoot yeah. with. As it's because it's 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 trustworthy. It's it's great ammunition. It's it's uh, you know it does what it claims it's going to do. It, it it's it's the best home defense ammo out there. I don't have any issues with it when I'm shooting with it. Um, hunters, I think hunters can attest to it. And if you want to check out what hunters say, or also what the ammo does, if you're a hunter to you know to deer and so forth to whatever whatever game you're you're, you're you're shooting at then go to the youtube videos and look at it for yourself and you'll see the the devastating effects effect it has and as a as a hunter i know 
that yeah, you don't want to chase down a deer another eight, nine miles. So you have to haul it back, which sometimes you have to, if you're not using the greatest ammo. Yeah, you're going to, you're going to kill it. And, but you're going to have to go trust it down as it bleeds out. I know this sounds horrific, but that's hunting guys. That's what it is. Yeah. But you definitely want an ammo that knocks it down and, and it stays down and you don't have to walk nine miles and then try to haul it the carcass back out either. So guys go check out Fort Scott ammunition, look at their YouTube videos uh, you, and, and see for yourself. Uh, and then also talk to those that have changed over to Fort Scott munitions. And they'll tell you that, yeah, they, they won't use anything else. And, and, for home defense and for uh, and for hunting and and for also training, that's that's what I use. So it's fantastic ammo, great company, great integrity within the company and ethics and and yeah, enough said right there. Hell yeah! So fortscottmunitions.com, promo code battleline. We still got four more questions to get to as we wrap up this second part episode of uh, the Q and A. And uh, with that. We have some great ones to get to. This is from Robin. Good afternoon, KP and Ian. Uh, how would you go about helping a veteran's family member not have tainted feelings about the military, particularly the U.S. Army and the VA? My dad, Rich Montgomery, just recently passed away from leukemia caused by exposure to Ag- Agent yeah. Agent Orange during the Vietnam era. He, like many others he served with, were not told of the exposure until 2020, and by then it was too late. The VA also knew of his cancer back in 2015 and did nothing, and he suffered to the end. Wow. Any assistance is greatly appreciated. Thank you, Robin. Hmm. I, and I'm saying, hmm, because that's hard to do. I mean, it really, we can offer all the advice we, we, we have at our disposal or even experienced even in our own lives. Um, and I've experienced, of course, with the military and the government and, and the VA, and not all of it's been good. A, a lot of it has, but not all of it. Um, it, it, but when I say anger, and I've experienced my share of anger, the only time I was able to stop the anger is I had to let go. You have to eventually let go of whatever wronged you and quit blaming them for, and even if it is their fault, quit blaming them and being angry and having them, hey, it's your fault, you did this, you're going to be angry forever if you keep doing that eventually you have to take a step back and as a christian you, you do or or a believer in god or 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 a, a, a virtuous believer in whatever faith you are you do have to take a step back and, and say you know what okay you god you gotta you, you gotta take this i i, I i'm gonna be angry forever help me find acceptance help me find understanding help me find peace and that's essentially what i had to do but that's what i did when i looked in the mirror too i i at myself when i was angry it was looking in the mirror and saying to myself, do I want to live like this the rest of my life? Not just in the vices I was letting myself overcome, not, a, not, not just the bad relationships that I seem to always seem to find, but also the anger. It was, <laughs> do I want to live angry the rest of my life? I got a lot of life ahead of me to enjoy. And I'm not going to be able to enjoy it if I'm always angry and blaming people for, for what happened to me. It's my responsibility. I'm the one that can control my attitude because you can't, you can't control anything else in your life. One thing you can't control is your attitude. And, and it does take time. Though. I'm not going to tell you it's going to happen overnight. And it takes time with, with sometimes with therapy. I've talked to therapists before. Sometimes it takes with, it does. I, you know, I, I don't like over the counter medication. I've taken it before. That's why I don't like it. But sometimes it, it does. You need a little help. Hey, <laughs> I got Ned. That's that helped me. It did. It helped me 
helped me flatten get get normal again. It helped me get my anger and my emotions in control. And then now I can control them on my own, which again, I only need the net every once in a while now. But that was what helped me. Um, I, you don't have to go that route, but I'm saying it's an option. Um, and, and I think you do try options. You try things until you figure out what works for you. But the biggest thing on, on an outside side, on a, on a substance side, whether it's a, a prescription or something over the counter that again, moderation guys, I'm not, don't get, be overcome to your vices. Cause that's when I let those vices try to control that anger, which then I became, I wouldn't say an alcoholic, but damn near close. And then other, other substances out there that were mind altering that I thought could calm, which didn't help me at all either. It just made things worse once I came to, or once I came out of whatever stupor I was in. So um, it, it is, you, you find something that is, that is legal <laughs> and, and that might help maybe that's, but if that doesn't work, the bottom line is it does come down to you. You have to fix it, fix your fucking self. You have to fix the attitude um, and you got to let the anger go. God will take care of those that, that, that are needed. God, or again, whatever faith you have, the higher power, in my case, God, God will always bring judgment down. We don't, we're fallible. We're human. We have no reason to judge anybody because we're, none of us are perfect. So when you let it go and say, judge, God, you've got this. You can judge. You're the one that's supposed to judge. I'm just going to keep living my life and I'm going to be happy again. You will find your happiness, but it does take time. And then finding outlets of things that make you happy. I like to run. I like to work out. I like to be with my family. So I spend as much time as I can doing that. I like to go to the range and shoot. So I'm a trainer. I like to do that. It's fun. Yeah, it sucks getting up in the morning sometimes when you're sore as fuck. But once I get there, I enjoy being around those like-minded individuals that I choose to be around and doing things that we like to do. So find something you enjoy doing and then make that a priority in your life. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think it's, it, it sounds easy, but it isn't. And don't think it's going to, I think people think it's going to happen overnight. It doesn't, it took three or three to four years for me to finally get my head right and be, be happy again. Like I still have my bad days, but it's just a bad day. It's not like, Oh, this, I'm, I'm going down. The demons are kicking my ass. It's just, okay, damn it. This is a shitty day. We can't get any of our computer like today. We can't get our computers to work. We can't get the logins to work. Oh shit! The power went out. Ah, you know what's funny? You're referencing things that happen. I know that audience just, has no idea. No idea what's it, but all going to be edited. <laughs> but, we, but we, but you know, we we what I say is it's just little things, and Ian and I are laughing at it because it's stuff that we just went through. Yeah, so it's what? inside to just stop. Yeah. So, so what? So it's part of something bad. Ha- but that's what I'm saying. Still yeah. bad. Although the bad stuff, you know, if you even want to call it that, that we went through today, it obviously cannot be compared to the. But that's, but that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying is that I, I, I think people think when I say something like this or they take it out of context and they say, well, so I'm never going to have a bad day in my life. No, you still will have bad day. We all do. We all have days that just don't go right from the menial to the extreme. But if you let God take control and, and, and you, and you, you, that's it. That's it. You let him take control and say, okay, God, you got this. Um, you can find ways to let the anger go, which is how I did it. I had to finally relinquish control of my prideful self and say, I, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I'm all over the place. Help me out here. I, I, and look at myself in the mirror and say, do I want to live like this the rest of my life? And realize that no, I didn't. Um, 
something constructive you can do too is what I did is I took a journal, a book, and I wrote down daily things of what I wanted in my life. What I and it was I was divorced from Tanya at the time, my wife that I reconciled with. Um, I wrote down what I was looking for in a partner because I, I wanted to find a partner. I was ready to <laughs> finally read it. And you know, I, I wrote down things that I wanted to accomplish in my life or things that uh, made me happy. And that helped me too, because it helped me kind of get an objective of what direction I wanted to go as a military guy that that's important for all you veterans out there. That's extremely important. So you're not flapping all over the place. It was funny too. When I wrote down all that stuff about the woman that I wanted to be with for the rest of my life. I've heard you mention this. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit. It was my ex-wife. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> I'm an idiot. All right. So, um, but yeah, Ian, go ahead, man. Uh, if you got anything to add to it, I know. No, I know well, you know, it's, I promise you, this is related you know, people will be like, what the hell? How did this come about? But um, <laughs> you ever hear of uh, the rapper Ari, the rugged man? I did. No, no. And I, okay. I listen he's, to rap music too. I listen, yeah. Listen. He, he's from Long Island. I mean, he's a little bit more underground. He did do a song with Biggie though. Okay. Um, but the reason I mention him is because he has a song called Uncommon Valor, which is the real life story of his dad, who was a Green Beret, John oh. Thorburn. And his dad was infected with Agent Orange. And all of RA's brothers and sisters were either born with birth defects, died very young, or were special needs. He's the only one who was born, you know, what you'd consider normal. Sure. Sure. And uh, they didn't know why until years later they found out he was, you know, infected with Agent Orange in Vietnam. I escaped the war, came back, but ain't escape Agent Orange. Two of my kids born handicapped, spastic, quadriplegia, microcephalic, cerebral palsy, cortical blindness. Name it, they had it. My son died, he ain't live. But I still try to think positive, because in life, God take, God give. And that song is, is the real life story of him from... He's rapping from his dad's perspective, who died, you know, uh, a while back. So, I mean, this is not a uncommon story of guys who were in Vietnam no. that, you know, that no, got that. And, and, and it, it affected them for years. No one knew that oh, all their children born with birth defects or special needs. And, yeah, I, I don't know how I'd be able to because, um, I mean, the main question is how do you forgive the army or. How do you get past that? I don't know if I'd be able to forgive the army if that was me or my family. Well, I, so. I don't think you, you you can forgive. Hey, will I ever forgive Hillary Clinton or that administration for what they did? No, I will never forgive them. But I don't have to continue to, to let my life and be angry at them. Because then if you do, there's still a focal point in your life. Don't you want to get all that out of your life? If, if a person that I dislike the most, I want to ignore the hell out of them because I don't want them in my life. If they're still affecting my life then they're still a part of my life they're and they're still, yeah. and they're win they are thank you they're winning that's i no i that's what i'm saying i'm not saying hey hillary fist bump you're all. no i i still dislike the hell out of all of that administration because of what not just for that night but what we were actually i realized what we were doing to other countries i i and, and all administrations have their no they're all for shit dude but i had a personal experience with that doesn't mean i forgave them but i'm not going to let them keep winning and if, if this helps you at all, just know your father being a Vietnam vet, all us guys that came after, especially myself, we respected the hell out of the Vietnam veterans. And they went through a lot. They didn't get the respect they deserve, but they did from us, especially from me and this, uh, the guys in the special operations community. We we admire them because they went through a lot of hell of shit that we didn't have to do. And and you know, we get a lot of the kudos we talked about yesterday. We get a lot of respect coming back from, uh, you know, for, from the general populace, from the military, the military gets a lot of respect from the U S populace where, where, uh, yeah. where the Vietnam veterans didn't. I want you to know though, that they do get a lot of respect from guys like myself. Now, in fact, I was thinking of Vietnam veterans, 
when I was up on the wall that night, when I realized nobody was coming to help us, it's about between 1 a.m. and 3 a.m. there in Benghazi. And uh, I, I, I remember reading about Vietnam veterans. That's what made me want to become a ranger because I read the Charlie Ranger books. They were awesome books about the rangers in Vietnam. And it remembered of them being dropped off and being left for like a week or two weeks on their own with no support at all. And I was thinking to myself, holy shit, it's only been an hour. These guys were in the bush for two weeks on their own. I, I can toughen it up. I can I can suck it up, man. So their toughness and what they went through and then after the, the disrespect they got um, and how they handled it was was immensely, immensely uh, a, a, a motivator for guys like myself. So I want you to know your father and men like him, I admire the hell out of, and I respect the hell out of them. And I hope that maybe helps you bring some closure and that you, that you don't, just because the VA disrespected them, they are looked at as, in my eyes, as gods uh, of what they were able to go through and then come through, come home and go through. Um, I couldn't even measure up to that. So. I hope that gives some closure and gives some positiveness to the end, to what what your father did and your family. Cause you know, fuck the VA. If they're disrespect, fuck them. They had our, they had their brothers in arms, utmost respect mine, especially. And I thought of them that night. That's how I kept going. Kept me going was thinking, fuck these guys. I'm a pussy. These guys, these guys kicked ass for weeks on end. I can go another hour. This is no big deal. I got Snickers. I got water. I got a lawn chair. This is awesome. I got nights. It's not raining on me. So I, I hope that helps bring some. Yeah, I, I just want to make sure you know that. And a lot of a lot of uh, people that served when I served feel the same way. A lot of the, a lot of the guys that went downrange. So that's it. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, so we have another one here. This is a uh, this is a long one, but I'll get to it right here. This is uh, so the first one, it says question. What would you or have you uh, said to someone going through tragedy and or being majorly wrong to keep them positive and to talk them out of suicide? I've had to do this numerous times since I left the FBI. I know the deep depression and anxiety I have struggled with due to exposing the truth and everything I have lost creeps into my mind here and there. I'm blessed to have an amazing family and friends and in my faith in God, but some people don't have that. I'm asking because someone I have recently met has gone through extensive shit and he just lost a very close friend. He has done podcasts and has said he has no one and that uh, and then on another, he talked about the two times he tried suicide. This is a newer topic he has brought up more recently. I'm worried, but I only met him once. so I can only send him positive messages and tell him he's not alone. He's definitely extremely depressed. Uh, And then she writes message for Chris. Tonto, I'm the former FBI agent who was the first to expose that the FEST did not go to Benghazi. And by the way, I should say, as I'm reading this, I, I, you know, we, just as a default here, uh, I can't confirm who this person is. You know what I mean? And that's yeah. not to say you're not who you say you are, but I don't know who writes these emails. So, but I'm going to yeah, keep yeah. going yeah, here. Yeah. And, and yeah, that's all right. Mo- Mo- <laughs> I, I trust who you are, but it's like a trust but verified thing. Because if this gets picked up, I don't want people to say this person, you know, isn't who they say that. Because, yeah. you know, yeah. you get emails from all different people. But I'm going to read her background of, of what she wrote here. Um, So she wrote, just so you know, I was told by John Solomon I was put on Hillary's list in 2008. And that's not a great feeling, but I'm used to doing it due to the DOJ continuing to retaliate and threaten. Patrick Kennedy made that decision. He also made the decisions leading up to the attack. He needs to be fully exposed. 
a DOD friend who I was working with to put uh, to put FBI on that FEST and I have done on other attacks was not willing to overtly give me information about the FEST not going. He was in fear of retaliation against his family. That's what they do. But he did confirm it was not DOD who held it back. They had they had it ready to go. Kennedy, et cetera. State Department stopped it. Do you know who gave the stand down order for DOD's immediate response? That's from Robin. And I, well, we, I, I got to be we, honest, I don't know what an FEST is. It's just it's there are teams in the FBI. It would be the HRT team that does the counterterrorism stuff. There's I, and I don't know if it's the FBI's FG, FST team um, or Marine Corps FAST team, if that's what she's talking about. I'm not familiar with the F- FST team too. Now, if they're talking about the State Department's, uh, it's a it's a State Department team that maybe the FBI heads it. I don't know where it actually is a QRF team, but it's made up of guys within the government, um, operators within the government that have a lot of experience, but also military operators. So it's a conglomerate, and I do know that team was told to not come because I do know the guy. I knew one of the guys on it. All right. So, uh, but there were, we've already discussed a lot of this, you know, there was a lot of people in the area, a lot of being from Marines, fast Marines in the Red yeah, Sea and yeah. the Mediterranean to the Avion Air Base, 555th Fighter Wing to the Commanders in Extremist Force, the 10 Special Forces Group, the SIF team that had moved to us and were told to stop. So, yeah, I, I don't think that's anything that's new. And as far as these new teams, there were, there was a, there was a, you know, the Delta detachment that came with us, came with our guys over, but there was also a SEAL team that was, uh, that was working in uh, in East Africa at the time, and there was also people in Djibouti. I mean, there were people all over the place that could have assisted us. There were they were all over the place. So you had a, a detachment of F-15s and F-16s at Suda Bay, Greece. If you know where that is, look on a map. Suda Bay is an island that's shit. They would have got to us in 10 minutes. I mean, it's right there. And we used to fly into there and stay on the airfield is where before we'd go in, we'd, pre, we'd fly in, go to Suda Bay, and then we'd sneak into Libya. So I knew the jets were there because my room was right outside. I mean, they're, they were right outside my room um, in Suda Bay. So, um, and that's a, that's a, it's a Navy base. So it's an actual U.S. base. So, um, yeah, I, I, you know, and I, we talked about that before. Patrick Kennedy and Charlene Lamb were hugely involved with this. Patrick Kennedy was a douchebag and was fucking over contractors when I was in Iraq in 2004 or five. I, this guy does not have a good track record of being a, being a guy that really cares about security and he does it. And I, I hope somebody reaches out to him and they can listen to this. Cause I, I, that guy got people sick in Iraq when we were tr- contractors, when he was forcing us to, and he did, he was f- kicking the state department and his crew was forcing contractors who was protecting all his damn diplomats into this man camp that hadn't been fully, fully cleared of, 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 you know, just being livable. Yeah. I, mean, we, I remember we, every one of us had the shits and we were still trying to go out and do ops. How driving diarrhea in 120 degree weather mm. wouldn't have body. Run. And that was Patrick Kennedy right there. So um, I, will he ever be held responsible? No, because nobody's going to be held responsible. I think we've already been through that. Obviously it was found out that, that Intel was, was that Intel security that Intel was given out that national security was violated. I and mean, we, we saw that in all the hearings and nothing came of it. So do I think anything's going to come of it now? No, it's not guys. It, yeah. That's how politics are. Have, have we seen what politics do? It, it's just how it is. Um, but again, so we what, just from what the about, prior question. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. No, just from the prior say, question um, yeah. uh, from what we had, well, who's going to judge him? 
we got a delay, Ian. I'm sorry. There's a, there's something. Yeah, no, it's stuff. okay. It, it happens. But no, I was going to say. So, so what about the first question? Let's get to of you know the advice you would give to someone you know going sure. through that. I think they're doing the right thing. I think you you really do. What I hated when I was having my downtimes is when people would continually come up to me and say, "Hey, are you okay? Hey, what can I do for you?" Hey, and when it, you can do that every once in a while, but when you get it from a lot of people and you're in those dark places, you don't want to hear anyone. There were times where people were coming up to me, hey, you're going to be okay. You look like shit, or, you know, not look like shit, but you, you look like basically trying <laughs> to pick pick me up. Yeah. I'm like, you know what? Fuck, I, I'm okay. Leave me the fuck alone. I, I don't need to keep, you don't need to keep giving me a pity party because that's what it t- starts to feel like. Sure. Just being there and saying, hey, what I what I would recommend, and this is what I do is if I, if I know a, a friend of mine or, or even somebody that I just met at a speaking event, and that happened. I get I get a lot. And that's what makes speaking events so rewarding, speaking so rewarding, because I do get people coming up to me after an event saying, you help me. And I'm going to start to be able to overcome the demons that I'm that have been beating me down. Um, but I will always say, I'm here if you need me. No, you have support. I got your back. I'm not going to bother you. But if you need me, give me a holler. That's what you need to do. Not continually. Are you OK? Are you okay? Are you okay? Yeah, fuck, I'm okay. Leave me the fuck alone. That is even worse than not getting anything. But just know and and be honest and be sincere. Say when you say, "Hey, here's my number. Here's my email. If you need me, you call me anytime, and I'll pick up the phone or I'll get back to you if I miss you." Um, and and um, yeah, that that's what I, I recommend you do. I, but in the end, and it's tough love, but I'm. This the person that's going through that that has to pick themselves up. But if they know they have support, whether they utilize it or not, they, if they know they have a lifeline or a few lifelines, whether they utilize it or not, that still makes them feel good because they've got that safety line there. They may not use it, but at least I know I've got it. That's my recommendation. That's what worked for me. Um, what didn't work for me was the continual, you okay? You okay? You okay? I love you. You okay? Hey, hey, I, I'm here for you. I know you're here for me. You told me that two hours ago. I got it. <laughs> and and that, and that's where I think it, it you know, too much. It's like that bell curve, you know, Ian, you talk about you ride that yeah, bell, yeah. pop that bell curve is perfect. And then it's too much and it, you go down that, you go, it, it's too much and it has a negative effect. So um, do keep doing what you're doing. Just know that, tell that person you, you, you and, and do understand sincerely understand what they're going through. And if you don't understand, sincerely tell them, Hey, I don't really understand what you're going through. Don't lie to them. They're going to know it. Uh, Just be honest with them. But in the end say, here's my number. If you need me, just let me know and and we'll chat and I'll help you Uh, and leave it at that. And, and, and then that person has to get themselves out of it. And it doesn't always work. I'm not going to tell you there's a hundred percent success rate. There's not, but you can only do so much. And then if you start doing too much, it has a negative effect. So that's my two cents. On it. Yeah. Sounds good, man. This is the last uh, Benghazi related question. So we may have covered some of this, but if there's anything else you want sure. to add, feel free. Uh, and it's Chris first. Thank you for everything you have given for America. Thank you for your occasional perspective you share on Facebook. <laughs> my question for the show is, Based on what you know or have a very high probability to believe, what is the real reason that Obama and Hillary left Americans in Benghazi to die? Obama and Hillary had no clue the hellish warriors we had in Benghazi. 
I yeah. cannot express how much this pisses me off, and I am never going to let it go until they pay for what they did to Ambassador Stevens, Sean Smith, Glenn Doherty, and Tyrone Woods. Thank you, Shane Hughes. Sure, sure. Um, no, I, you know, at that time, and people, I, we don't talk about it too much, but the, the uh, especially in the mainstream media, you know, I don't think people remember unless they listen to the show here. I think we talked about on our last pod, our last episode with the questions, the, the narrative at that time. And remember we were, it was right before the election. The narrative at that time was terrorists were on the run. We had terrorists on their back. Al Qaeda was on the run. Also the narrative was that we don't, you know, we're not going into countries and, and we're not going to try to rebuild them with democracy and so forth. And that's, we were and both of those were lies. We, terrorists were definitely not on the run and we weren't built we weren't going into countries to um really just help them and rebuild them up and hey let's instill let's instill democracy yes we're going into countries to take out dictators that's what we were doing um with the thought that we could stabilize the countries not with democracy that administration believed we could state we could stabilize them stabilize them with uh, the Muslim Brotherhood mentality and Hamas—they they love those guys. They love Hamas. They love the Muslim Brotherhood. If you want, all you got to do is go back to the Egypt and sh- the, the the overthrow of Morsi, and see where our administration at that time lie. Uh, lie, uh, not sure. well, they did. Yeah, they did. <laughs> administration at that time where their li- where their loyalties uh, lied within the uh, within the Middle East there. Um, so when we went into Libya, it wasn't over the Gaddafi. Gaddafi was no threat. When Reagan bombed the living shit out of him and said, okay, don't attack us anymore. He said, you know what? I am rich. I have a ton of women. I have a ton of gold. I have a ton of oil. You're right. What the fuck am I doing fucking with America? I'm not going to do that anymore. And he did. He was no threat. Also, he would do, you have no idea what him and his people, his armies and his security forces would do to terrorists if they found them in his country. If Gaddafi found a terrorist in his country, cutting off his balls and shoving them in his mouth is probably the nicest thing that he would do to him. So there was no terrorist threat at all in Libya. So uh, and and, you know, yes, he was a dictator. You know, the devil that, you know, sometimes is better than the devil that you don't. And with dictators, I think that's that's the truth. Same with Assad and Syria. But the country was moving quite well. The country's currency was up there. There were people that were. And it always comes down to tribes and who and family member. It does. That's just how it was in all those countries. But they had food, they had water, they had gas. And to say how strong their currency was, just take this into account. When we got over there and Gaddafi, you know, Gaddafi eventually we got, we killed him or, or like Hillary Clinton would say, uh, we came, we saw he died. Yeah, whatever. You're like, you know what the hell you're talking about. Okay. I, I hate it when I see that's what I, I hate. We're seeing that seeing worse. Uh, Seeing that worse than watching her saying, "What difference does it make?" That bother, and hearing that cackle laugh after. We came, we saw, he died. <laughs> Did it have anything to do? When yeah. we came in, oh, oh, the I currency of the Libyan dinar to the dollar, with no government, Libya had no government. We had just destabilized the whole region. Was still a one to one. If that tells you how strong their currency was, and it, no currency, no government, and it's still one do- U.S. dollar to one Libyan dollar. With, uh, so what I'm saying is that country, we, there was no need for us to go in there. Uh, yes, if you spoke out against Gaddafi, um, yeah, he's going to probably kill you. That's what dictators do. But look at this country now. Now it's it's just there's it's it's hard to get any 
food, water, of course their, their utilities, there is none, um, man. And then, you know, you, there's terrorists running along. That's a terrorist training ground. So we were going in there to get Qaddafi's weapons and we're going to help, you know, help to stabilize the region and then utilize his weapons to give to the militias and terrorists in Syria to overthrow Assad. So it was just, it, it's, it was a military operation, a uh, clandestine military operation. And then eventually in their great mindset of that prior administration, it was, well, once that's all done, we get, we get rid of these dictators. Hamas will come in and they'll stabilize the whole region. Whoever thought that obviously needed to go back to Harvard for another four or five more years. Cause that was just the stupidest foreign policy plan in the world. So, uh, and when the attack happened and whether Ambassador Stevens was going to spill the beans or not, I don't know. I didn't know him that well. I never talked to him. I fell asleep when he was giving his speech um, to <laughs> us. I did. Um, and I got, yeah, I, you know, that fight. At, if you watch that fight in the movie, that that actually happened. I was get reprimanded. Um, what was cool about, I know I'm going back and forth. I ate apples all the time because it helped my Crohn's disease. So it was awesome that they put Pablo eating an apple. Cause that's what I would do. All, I mean, that's how, that's how detailed they got the movie down. He's eating an apple. I ate apples all the time overseas. Um, but anyway, uh, it, it, it really was to, to just to stabilize a region and utilizing Libyan arms. There were shitloads cut off the stockpiles of arms and getting them to Syria. So he, could, could continue the destabilization and then putting people that we supported in place, which they had already done in Egypt. And they thought it was going to be easy to do that in Libya and Syria. And they found out otherwise. Um, so, yeah. We, and honestly, I do believe we got attacked by the same weapons that we were taking from them and trying to give to militias in Syria. Because uh, Ansar, Ansar Sharia was one of those militias. So it was Rafala Sahate. So it was Al-Qaeda in the Maghreb. There you go. Right there. Uh, and I, that's, I'm not telling guys anything new, really it's out there. Other people have said it too. And I've said it prior, I've said it on news organizations. So will that ever, no. I, and, and also the political climate, we talked about this yesterday Ian, a little bit, um, the political climate, Al Qaeda was on the run, you know, we're, we're, we're here to help. Uh, that narrative was all shot to hell with what happened with people found out what happened to us. And I really do believe if it would have been hammered on by the Romney Romney Park by the Romney camp more the election, it could have swung the other way. I, I really do believe that. So, and it was in, and the, the, the Obama administration definitely knew that it was not good for what took place in Benghazi because it destroyed their whole narrative of Al Qaeda was on the run. We're here just to help Libya and we're here to help Egypt. And we're, and also now, you know, it led into Syria and it, but it, Obama won the election it was kind of swept under the carpet in D.C. And we came out and said the truth. And here we are. And I still think it went the way it was supposed to go. That's just how it was. Um, and nobody will be bought to justice in the in D.C. because both the Democrats and the Republicans had people involved with it all. So but again, people will be held accountable. I don't need to hold them accountable. They'll be held accountable by the higher power when it's time. And I'm I'm good with that. That's how we should all be. Is we don't judge. I'm not perfect. I made fuck up mistakes. I'll be judged too. So will they. And I'm good with that. So there you go. All right. Well, uh, final question on this uh, last part of the Q&A here as we wrap things up. And this is a good one. This is from Lisa. What advice would you give a young soldier who is about to deploy about living his or her faith in a completely new circumstance? Um, 
Yeah, I just have it. Uh, I, I I recommend, yeah, the, you know, you'll get If they haven't already given you one, you'll get a pocket Bible. I'd recommend to read it, but um, read it every once in a while when you have downtime. Um, also, it looks good. When a drill sergeant sees you reading a Bible, he may give you shit, but honestly, he'll walk back in his office going, I got to keep my eye on that kid. That guy has some has some definite good perspe- prospectus getting getting rank in this army because it does. It means you have some interaction, you have faith. And a lot of the me, I know if I saw you reading it, yeah, I'd give you a little shit. What God's not going to help you now. You know, some stupid cliche saying like that. God's not going to help you now. But I'd walk away going, got to keep my eye on that kid. That's yeah. And he's got some he's got some good values there. Um and then, you know, one thing you'll find out too, especially, uh, and they'll still, I'm sure they still let you do this is on Sundays. Um, you get to go to service. Those are the most religious experiences when you're getting screamed at and you're getting basically, at least in my case, getting hazed all week. And then the drill sergeants leave you alone and you get to go see God for an hour, whether it's at a Catholic or a Protestant or an LDS service. Um, and you really do get close to God because you don't want to leave to go back to your drill sergeants. You just like, please, pastor, talk for, can you talk for another hour? And you are very attentive because it hey, does you know get what? home. I, I wanted to ask you something about yeah. that because I thought this was interesting. When I was on the team house, I, Dave Park said this. So apparently you get like an hour, right? Or it was it yeah. several hours for a religious hour. thing? It's an hour. It's an hour usually. It was, well, maybe it's so, different now. Dave said that they didn't have a Buddhist service, but he was like, when they asked what, uh, you know, if he wanted that hour or two, whatever, he was like, yeah, I want to, you know, have a Buddhist, uh, you know, do a Buddhist, um, you know, okay. I, I'm trying to think of what the word would be, but, but I want to practice Buddhism. But he said he was the Hindu, only Hindu, one. Buddhist. I don't know. I don't think he actually is, but I think he just wanted to, to get a break from everything. Stirring the pot uh, a little bit. Is that what yeah. But he said, yeah, I got to just like be on my own. And he's like, I just hung out uh, on my own for a couple hours because I said, you know, I, I just want to study Buddhism for two hours. You know what? That's, that's, we didn't have any Hindus or is that Hindus or Buddha or is that two different things? No, Buddhist I, is I, its own I, thing. Buddhist something. We had Buddhist, Buddhist or, or, or people that believed in Hinduism. We didn't have no, no, no. Hindus. Oh, or yeah. Oh, yeah. Hindus or, or, are mainly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hindus are mainly India. Buddhists yeah, are more Buddhist. Asia. Yeah. 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 No, we didn't have, I'm sorry. We didn't have either. But if, if that was your, you know, if that was what your, what your faith was, no, they would let you. I mean, they, again, they would give you shit. It's, you get shit for everything, but <laughs> they're going to let you. You do get that hour, two hours for your faith, whatever it is, except for Satanism. I don't think they do that. I, again, I'm, and there are Satanists out there. I, there are. Hey, I'm yeah. not. That's what you believe, and uh, you know, do they I, really believe it, or are they? Just I know. I, I just think they're trying to be edgy, but I don't know. I'm not a Satanist. I don't know what goes on through. But I know when we were there, though, Ian, it, it, they, yeah, they'd be like, well, you know, you get a drill sergeant going, "What the fuck are you? What is? This? You know, he, he, he. It's what drill sergeants do. It's what you're supposed to do. Make fun, patronize, but in the end. Yeah, they would take it to the CO and the CO would confirm, not to saying that you're making some shit up. And either they would find a uh, find somebody that that was within the base or maybe they had a pastor or something. I said a pastor, but uh, a theologist that could come in and you could talk with and, and go over your faith. Or, yeah, they'd put him in a room and whatever book you had and they'd have somebody monitoring it. So you just weren't jacking off and sleeping, you know, <laughs> or, or I should say jacking off or sleeping. Um so yeah, that's the thing about the military when I was in, you know, Christianity's huge, 
but they believe in faith and, and they want you to believe in whatever faith you have. And because like I said, in the end, when you're all together, faith, all faith be damned, you all come together and you all seem to have that same faith of that higher power, same belief, that higher power, whatever you want to call it. And you come together as a team. So it does. Yeah. They, they, that was wonderful. So uh, I, I, I think he, you know, the one thing I will say though, too, is that there's going to be a lot of cussing. I, I think they're Christians. I cuss a lot. I think Christians take it too much that if you cuss, you're not a Christian. I, I don't believe that at all. I, I think sometimes cussing needs to be done to reiterate and enforce a point. doesn't mean you're a bad Christian. So I, I, I think if, if he's been around a household where there hasn't been a lot of cussing, he just needs to adjust to it and understand that just because Joe Snuffy over there is cussing, and he's wearing a crucifix, it doesn't mean that he's a bad Christian. It's just what he does. Um, and I, th- I came to terms with that as well, which, it, and also um, understanding that, that um, you know, his, I think his faith will get stronger, um, but you're going to see things sometimes too, that even accidents, that it's the army, you've got to get ready and whatever branch you're going into, I mean, um, whatever uh, job you're going into, if you're going into the infantry, going to the Rangers or Airborne, you got to understand that death is, you're going into a, a unit that you're going to have to take somebody's life down the line, or you're going to see a buddy died or both or buddy die or both. And uh, yeah. that's hard for some Christians because uh, you know, that to us, it's not Christian like, well, yeah, that's where I wrote in the Ranger way about me walking into rip and seeing that painting graphic painting of this VC Viet Cong having his head blown off and realizing, Holy shit. Oh, wow. This is what I'm actually getting into but not losing my faith. And, um, and I didn't, I actually, my faith got stronger in the military where sometimes it does go the opposite route, but that's up to you. And the way you stay on that path of it being positive is every once in a while, just reading up, reading your little pocket Bible and reading a passage out of it. That always helped me. And then when you're in basic training, definitely go to church or go to a service every Sunday. It helps you get through basic training and it helps you really acclimate to the army. So there you go. It's, it's really, is too easy. It, it is. Well said, man. All right. So hope you guys enjoyed this special Q and a uh, two part episode that we did. We still try to get to questions now and again. So if you have other things, you can always email battle podcast at gmail.com. Uh, leave us a review on Apple podcasts as always follow us on social media at Battle Line Pod on Twitter, at Battle Line Podcast on Instagram. And uh, yeah, that's it. Never quit. Yeah, never. And, and hey, keep if, going. If it's a, even if it's a qu- great question, Ian sometimes brings them on during the show if we get yeah. a question. And so don't ever stop those questions coming in, guys. We love Antrim, obviously. Um, and, and just send them in and ask whatever the hell you want from the most mundane to the most political, which is probably mundane and political to me are the same thing. Um, but <laughs> it, just just ask whatever. We love them. And, and really, it helps us. It reinvigorates us on the show because we know that you're listening and you're taking what we're saying into account. Whether you like it or not, you're still listening and you're really listening, not just hearing me run my suck and, and Ian's sexy quiet storm voice <laughs> that he has so uh yeah appreciate you guys god bless y'all out there and, and just keep grinding y'all every, every day keep moving forward thanks guys
That's all for this episode of the Battleline Podcast. But we'll be back on Monday with more American Straight Talk. Until then, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Battleline Podcast and on Twitter at Battleline Pod. To sign up for future Battleline tactical courses, go to www.christantoperanto.net. Believe in yourself, face all challenges head on, and as always, never quit. Yeah.